Hello everyone, welcome to episode 63 of the Terminal City SC podcast, Vancouver's soccer podcast, part of the Area 51 Sports Network, well, up and coming soccer podcast. So Josh Ray here, joined alongside Nathan Durek. So Whitecaps preseason is technically underway and we have the first signing, Mateus Laborda, the center back from Nationale of Uruguay, is official across the dotted line. Signed till 2025 with an option of 2026. And I'd like to think, Nathan, that this is the first of a bunch of signings we'll see this window. I think it is. I think it has to be one of the first uh, of at least a few. There are specific positions that we are looking for. But I do like this signing uh, for two reasons. One, it strengthens a back line that was a little bit leaky last year. Uh, that's something that's very, very necessary. It's Well, actually, I should say three reasons. The second reason is that it's, it's going to give competition to the existing center backs that are already there. And that's competition that was lacking, right? You already had right. a back line last year where, you know, Florian Youngworth wasn't going to get in. His legs just couldn't uh, keep up with his level of intelligence anymore. There are players that couldn't fit in there anymore. And the other thing is, is the border can play multiple positions. He's equally talented center back as he is right back. And that's something Sartini likes. He likes versatility in his players, and he likes being able to move them around a little bit. So I think he's a good fit. Yeah, I mean, Franny loves those players. He can play multiple positions, could play right back, could play center back on the left side or on the right side. It adds competition to Blackman, Veselinovic, and Karifa Yao. And it's good to have defensive depth, but I think Laborda is seen as a guy who can be a regular starter for the Whitecaps. Absolutely. And the thing is, is they might not be finished on the back line as well. Uh, Daniel Krutzen, uh, formerly of uh, Forge FC in the CPL, he's actually been training with the Whitecaps as well, uh, basically uh, just like as an open agent. He's another uh, six foot uh, tall center back, originally from Netherlands, but yeah, he's been playing in the Canadian Premier League. Uh, and he's trying to get a spot as well. I mean, you're talking about adding depth and players. Uh, to bolster that back line, it does it just further adds to that uh, to that competition for spots, and it does make me wonder if they're not going to be looking for a right back. And along with Javane Brown, they're going to be rotating Laborda and Blackman through that position. Yeah, it makes me wonder too, and it also makes me wonder if uh, they're not really looking for a goalkeeper right now. And it, my sense is that it's not a huge priority compared to center back and striker more on that later the one but thing about goalkeeper that i have heard is that they are looking but they're not finding anyone they want that, which, unfortunately, which kind of just, yeah there's just a, a you know not not a profile that they're looking for which is i guess is understandable right goalkeepers are tough positions it's, it's either like a feast or famine either there's like you know 17 that are available on free agency or there's no one and you're going to have to pay out of the mouth for it. Yeah, there probably won't be the guy they're looking for until the summer. And what's the point, right? They need someone who can play the whole season. The way I look at it is I think collectively people are too hard on Thomas Sassel. We got too hard on him in the very, very early in the season where it wasn't just Hassel, It was everyone in the team that wasn't pulling the Oh, rate. yeah. On top but, of it, Vassal was facing more shots than any other goalkeeper in MLS during that time. He got injured. Cody Cropper came in right when all your other players started to come in. That's when Ryan Gold came back into the lineup. 
That's when you had all these players starting to get healthy. And that's also when you had that two-week break because Seattle was uh, playing in uh, the, C- the, the Champions League final and the Whitecaps were kind of g- given a little bit of breathing space. When Thomas Hassell came back into the lineup, you can argue that he kind of won his spot back and did well. And the Whitecaps at the end of the season were one of the best teams in MLS, point-wise. Right, but if you look at all the advanced stats and all that, if you're a believer in advanced stats, Asal was one of the worst goalkeepers in MLS. But it's not like to say he gave up howlers, but he just couldn't make the save. He was one of the worst goalkeepers in MLS because you're taking a look at the season as a whole, which includes those first eight games. Yes, exactly. Take those out of the rotation, and he's going to be average. I'm not saying he's going to blow anyone out of the water, but he's going to be average. And I'm hoping that's where somewhere a place where he will grow from. Remember when yeah. uh, Maxime Crapeau first started with the Whitecaps as well? He was pretty average too. And the Whitecaps are really putting the chips in that this year could be a big year in Thomas Asal's development. Like, because the guy can be a really good goalkeeper one day. This year, not well. It's the chances of it are pretty slow, but low rather. But back to Krutzen, interesting. I mean, it's good to have defensive depth, and it creates more competition. And there's no guarantee they'll sign this guy. He's just on a trial with the Whitecaps. Yes. Kind of like a PTO, if you're a hockey fan. Yeah, exactly, right? He's a he's a guy that, you know, he's an interesting. I think, if anything, you, he might be someone that fits in a, a supplemental contract. But I, it, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I'm okay with it because they went out and got Laborda, right? But I, I'm wondering is how much depth do you need uh, in a centre-back position when your first two signings, if you include Karifa Yao, were already in that position? Yeah, that's that's what I'm wondering too. But again, this could be just a just a trial. And I'll, But if he does sign, what does... You're going to have to be rotating a lot because you're going to be in a lot of competitions. That's true. And injuries happen frequently but it creates a lo- kind of a log jam at a defense it does make me wonder because uh, Sertini has also talked about how he does not like big squads right I right. don't think he's going to fill out all 30 spots on his roster I don't think most people do but if he's aiming for say that 23 mark we're already pushing that and there's still positions that need to be looked at right Okay, so speaking of the striker, which I mentioned earlier, there's rumor, according to Israeli media, that the Whitecaps have interest in Ty Baraba, who is an Israeli international who plays for an Austrian club called Wolfsburger. And people like Manuel Vaith have reported on this. It's just interest right now. Nothing set in stone. Nothing set in stone. Uh, there's interest there. And uh, interestingly, there was an article published by Caleb Wilkins uh, uh, almost like a the, month or two the ago. The Sensible Strikers, and he was on the yeah, list. He was on the list, right? He is a guy that fits that mold of what could be a young designated player that comes in. He's not bad. If you take a look at his uh, goal-creating uh, actions, whether it's goals and assists, he is over uh, a point five per game, right? So... You know he's he's working to create a goal every two games, which is not bad. It's but for me, that's the minimum of what you would want a DP uh, to uh, to be doing. So I'm hoping that this is just the the beginning of him. And I mean, it could be right now. He uh, he's only 24 years old. He actually turns 25 in four days. So yep. 
uh, I'm hoping that if this is a guy that comes in that, uh, you know, flourishes or explodes. Now, again, early talks, early talks, but it's nice, uh, at least that we're getting some information uh, that the Whitecaps are looking for this position. They know that it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's lacking. Yeah, and the Whitecaps were like third or fourth worst in MLS in comes to goal when it comes to goal scoring last season, and they need someone who can really put the ball in the net. And Barabo looks like he can. Sixteen goals, four assists, and twenty six appearances with Wolfsburger. Pretty good stats. And apparently, his decision will be made at the end of this week. And he looks like a guy who doesn't really fit the DP mold because his wages are like, what, 300000 They're really going to have to want to give him a lot of cash if he wants to come over here and potentially be the third Whitecaps designated player. If he's only making that, he's also, depending on what sort of wages they throw at him, even if you doubled that, you could still pay that down. Right, it, 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 there is an opportunity there that it might uh, be a striker that you're able to get, and still have your DP spot open for elsewhere. Yeah, and uh, oh, by the way, he averaged 86 percent fewer yellow cards per ninety this season than Lucas Cavallini. <laughs> so, well, there's that. At least he'll be and and, and 100 percent less head stomp. So that there's that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think he's an interesting first look. Um, I'm curious to see what the other names are on their list. But the one thing with the Whitecaps is when a name gets leaked, it's usually the guy at the top of their list. So there right. is that. And Manuel has been right about a lot of stuff before, and the source that first reported this is like the top news source in Israel. Yeah, exactly, right? So that means they're really going to go hard after Barabo in the next few days and the striker should be sorted pretty quickly because the team is off to Spain and they will have their game against Hamburg next week. You know what? If they're going to be signing a player like uh, like him, it makes sense to do right now. He's a guy that he can join up with him in Spain right now. You know, yeah, Aust- from Austria to Spain. Yeah, you know that's a little bit easier than going over to Coachella or back to Vancouver. Right, and can just help the guy get settled in. Exactly. And he seems like a guy that fits the profile. And he's got, look from the looks of it, it looks like he's got. He's a good runner too, and that's the guy the Whitecaps pretty much need. It also and I think the mold of the Whitecaps looking for younger players to fit those DP roles. Like if we're taking a look at the Ryan Galbs or uh, Andreas Kubas's, right? Andreas Kubas. We're, we're looking for players that are like that 24, 25 years old. We're not looking for to spend our DPs on someone that's 30 plus. I do like right. that in terms of how uh, the Whitecaps manage their roster. So Yeah, the first two DPs have really... Knocked it out of the park. They're yeah, you gotta be in their mid twenties. They're, they're in their prime, and they're signed. Well, at least Kubis is signed until twenty twenty six. Gall is signed until twenty twenty four, and if he does well, should get his contract extended. These guys are in their prime. Hopefully, 
going to be with the club long term and are easily the two of the best players the Whitecaps have. Oh, and by the way, a another Manuel Vate scoop here. He just tweeted. Just saw it. Source. Yeah. Former Schalke center back Salif Sané is training with the Whitecaps in Marabella in Spain. 32-year-old has been a free agent in the summer and is given an opportunity to compete for a roster spot. That's a much-needed experience for the Whitecaps. And there we go. Another center back. And, and you know what this center back is? This is your Kendall Waston. This guy is six foot yes, five. Yes, this is your veteran. He, uh, he plays on the Senegalese uh, national team. Um, he is uh, he is a little bit older, but as a defender, that's okay. Um, yeah, this this is someone that could be your absolute powerhouse on the back line. Yeah, this is someone that brings veteran leadership because Vislinovic, Blackman, Yao, now Laborda, they're all guys in their early to mid-20s. This guy is 32, seasoned veteran, played for Schalke, which is a team Axel Schuster has connections with. Absolutely. And he actually spent so, four seasons with Schalke, so. Yeah. And Before that, he was with uh, Hanover, and then uh, he actually came originally from uh, the French League with uh, Bordeaux and Nancy. Yeah, and former teammate of Alexandre Joff. There you go. So yeah, this is a guy right now. I mean, yes, it's it's brand new information, but I like this. I like this. I, I like this too, but it really clogs up the the back line, which which isn't a bad thing, as we talked about earlier. And given the amount of competitions this year, it's a good thing to have. But um, you would think that there'd have to be at least someone, maybe moving out. I don't know, going on loan. Um, I mean, there is that possibility. It does make me wonder if uh, the other guy that they're looking at uh, that is training with them, uh, Kutzen or Kutzen, uh, that might just be him uh, moving on to a different club. I would, go, I would like more to look at uh, Sane than Kutsen. yeah, simply for the profile of you need, you need a giant on your back line, right? You need a giant, and you need a veteran. Be ahead above everyone else. Yeah, and like he. This guy can, like, go after those balls in the air, when whether that's on a corner kick or when the other team's attacking. Like, you need that guy who is big and who can tower over other defenders and attackers. And Whitecaps haven't had that player since Kendall Watson. Exactly, right? I mean, this guy is... Right. Well, I'm pretty sure Kendall Wasman was 6'5". This guy is 6'5". Uh, not only that, but uh, with Shulk, I mean, he is a guy that adds that experience that you were just saying as well. Um, there is experience on that back line, but I don't know if I would go so far as to say that there's leaders. You know? Like, uh, yeah. Ray Kovac he quietly does his job. He's one of the top in, in the entire league in clearances and in aerial duels. You have Tristan Blackman, who's a, a guy that, for, for a center back, is very good with his feet. Uh, definitely coming uh, f through his experience playing on the wing, or sorry, uh, on the as a, a right back as well. But none of them are all what you would consider to be all that vocal, right? Right, especially, and this guy... And especially if you're going with a young goalkeeper like Thomas Hassel, this is the guy you want. Yeah, and go after Sa I'd rather go after Sané than that Kruitsen guy as well, because... I think he fits what the White Cats need more. 
Yeah, absolutely. So that's a lot of Whitecaps news and rumors to process, but that's not the only stuff that's happening with the club. Let's talk about stuff that's happening off the pitch. So Bell is done with the Whitecaps. Bell will be no longer be the sponsor of the Whitecaps, and this is the first time the Whitecaps have changed their shirt sponsor since coming into MLS because Bell has been the Whitecaps shirt sponsor since 2011, the year they came into MLS. And sources from the Whitecaps have told, not us, but uh, Manuel Vaith, he's, which and have said talks are ongoing with national brands and international brands. Who are they? They did not mention who they are yeah i mean there's a lot of speculation as to who it could be i mean we've talked about uh the vancouver uh their ownership links and where uh, those might lead uh potential choices honestly i know that they will have someone at the end of the day i'm not yes. entirely concerned with who it is it's i i will say i don't necessarily look at the the name on the front of the shirt i look at the badge so of course there'll be, right there'll, there'll be something there yeah and you can joke about like all oh, their sponsor could be someone like I don't know OnlyFans, Taco Bell, Uber Eats. Like people are throwing out like Zellers because it's apparently coming back. Yeah, that's true. And but if you want, but in all seriousness, like Jeff Mallet was COO of Yahoo many many years ago, and I'm sure he's still connected with them. So I wouldn't be surprised if Yahoo is the Whitecaps sponsor because they're looking at international companies even but I, I really don't know if I had to say who would be the sponsor I really don't know and I don't I'm not... know either uh, I do actually wonder about someone like Rogers another uh, yes. telecommunications I mean Rogers I mean they seem to be going uh, the way of uh, naming every single building that exists why not uh, name a team yeah, and Rogers, I'm, we'll get to this later, but Whitecaps do also need a radio home, and Sportsnet right. 650 is, I'm not he- reporting this, but I'm saying in my opinion it's a possibility, so Rogers would, wouldn't surprise me either. Talus is the name some people have speculated that makes sense. about, because, you know, local commun- telecommunications company and there were talks many years ago that TELUS wanted to be the name for BC Place, change it to TELUS Stadium or whatever, but that can't really happen anymore because BC Place is owned by the province. Yeah. So there's a lot of possibilities for the Whitecaps shirt sponsor. Like I didn't even notice that Vanny covered up the Bell logo on his jacket in the Whitecaps uh, video until someone pointed it out. Yeah, just a little piece of black tape that was almost reminiscent of uh, that Ted Lasso episode. Yeah. Something like that. And I do think that the Whitecaps will announce their new sponsor sometime in the next month. They're going to want to do it fast, uh, mainly for the same thing. They want to start selling shirts. Yeah. And I don't expect the new kit. It hasn't leaked, by the way. Other MLS teams, I'm sure it's leaked. But it probably won't too, look too much different from last season's. No, I, I think the 
the hoop design is one that they're going to be sticking with. It seems to be uh, what's been the most popular. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't mind it. Um, I, I do like when they've gone a little bit more streamlined sometimes, but I think the hoop has its popularity, and I don't see it moving. Maybe Sean should pay up and get Air 51 Sports Network to be the shirt sponsor. Can you imagine, right? Yeah. But we don't know who the shirt sponsor is, and it'll be interesting to see who will it be. And yeah, let's talk about the radio, because that still exists, and people still like listening to the radio. So Tyler Green of Daily Hive, and is also a producer for NHL Radio's broadcasts, and he's well connected to the Vancouver media scene. He reported a few days ago that the Whitecaps do need a new home on the radio for not just this season and beyond because the partnership deal with AM730 traffic expired at the end of last season. And Green reported, as I'm reading here, talks are underway and my understanding is something should be announced shortly. Once the deal is done, I expect Asa Ramon and Colin Miller will be back behind the mic calling the action. No, nothing is confirmed on that yet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to have. I mean, it's something I listen to if I'm in the car. But uh, other than that, I, yeah. I can't say I do too much. But, yeah, it would be nice. And the Whitecaps were obviously on TSN 1040 until... It went down thanks to Bell. Ironically, Bell is the one that gets cut this time. Yeah, there you go. So, I, if I had to guess, I would say that they stay with AM730. Or yeah. maybe they go to 1410 like the BC Lions. There's also the possibility of them going in-house, which I think may or may not happen. And there's a ch- small chance that Sportsnet 650 could be the rights holder for the Whitecaps, but they're too busy with their around-the-clock, everyday Canucks coverage because Rogers is has a 10-year partnership with the Canucks, too. Yeah, there's that, too. Um, I, they're going to find a home. Uh, it is it is uh, seemingly strange that all of these kind of uh, off-the-pitch deals are kind of coming to fruition in the same uh, calendar year for the Whitecaps. I find that kind of strange. Um, it just seems like a lot of work that they've unduly given themselves in this season yeah and i don't understand why these were like announced like a few months ago exactly that too that gives them a bit more time to you know work things out well anyway but then again we also have the biggest deal with uh when we're talking about all mls apple has finally announced their lineup for their uh, mls broadcast team yep interestingly no english canadian presence on that lineup and i should also mention that luca wildman who is the tsn play-by-play guy for international games from canada and mls he has also taken a job commentating on american soccer the u.s men's and women's national teams, but he will stay at TSN also. So that thing yeah, makes things... Yeah, there's between uh, TSN and I think uh, TNT in the States. Yeah, and I'm just looking here that it's a pretty good lineup of names you may recognize. Some analysis include Kendra de Saint-Aubain, Maurice Edu, Lori Lindsay, Marcella Balboa, former Whitecaps Sebastian Latou, Bradley Wright Phillips, Diego Valeri, 
former MLS All-Stars. Uh, some hosts, Liam McHugh, who, if you're, if you're a hockey fan, has been on NHL and NBC for over a decade and is also on NHL on TNT. He'll split duties between MLS and NHL. Jillian Sakovitz, Tony Cherichi are other hosts. Play-by-play, Steve Kangielosi. He's not for everyone, but he's call, called a ton of soccer games in the past. Not just MLS, but international matches, La Liga, Serie A. And was the play-by-play for the New Jersey Devils for 12 years and New York Red Bulls for 21 years on MSG. We got Pablo Ramirez, who will be calling some games in Spanish. But again, no Canadian presence on there. But the Whitecaps' current play-by-play man, Blake Price who is also the host of the famous Sakaris Price show, has changed his Twitter bio from play-by-play for TSN Soccer to play-by-play for MLS. Well, that's something. I wonder what the... My sense is that he and Paul Dolan will call Whitecats games this season. But are they going to be still calling uh, for the stuff that they do on TSN? That's That begs the question. Yeah, I do wonder. And not even TFC or Montreal broadcasters were on there. Yeah. Um, so, I, I just I find it a little bit disappointing. I mean, I'm not expecting for their entire for the entire roster to to be able to follow over, but it would have been nice to have at least one voice. Yeah, but, and the local talent. Yeah. We we talked about how like the Apple deal could potentially kill local talent, but Blake Price's bio on Twitter, uh, just Blake Price, by the way, if you want to follow him, he, I mean, that kind of gives me hope that we'll have a local voice calling the Whitecaps. Like, he and Paul are pretty good at what they do, because having Paul just roast the refs on the broadcast makes my day. It won't be the same without him doing that. Yeah. And Blake has experience play, doing play-by-play, not just for soccer, but for hockey and other sports as well. And of course, he's great with Matt Sakaris on Sakaris and Price. So, I would be the same watching Whitecaps games, and there's an American play-by-play and commenta- color commentator doing their games, and have like they know nothing about the team. Well, my whole thing is that when you've got broadcasters and doing play-by-play and any sort of commentary, anything that they're looking at at the team that kind of adds to the the, the color of that commentary is going to be either read off a sheet. Like, I'm going to be very, very yeah. surprised if a lot of these people can even point to Vancouver on a map. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, right. I mean that's, that's the level of engagement that I'm now expecting, which is unfortunate. Yeah, but I just hope that, you know, Blake's, Bio is just a tease. Like, yeah, I'll be back, and me and Dolly will be calling the games. Let's hope that's the case. But it's very disappointing to see no English Canadian presence or French Canadian presence. Exactly right on there. So, again, the Apple TV deal. I never liked it because not only does it makes the t- the start times all wacky, but apparently, even if you have Apple TV, you still have to pay for it, which to me is terrible. Only season ticket holders get a free. MLS season pass and it's really it's just gonna 
drive away the casual fans and just tune in every once in a while to watch the Whitecaps because Vancouver has yeah. a lot of those. Uh, you're gonna have your casual fans that'll watch the, whatever game happens to be on TSN. That's it. Yeah, and to, this, this to, to me is the opposite of growing the game. Yeah, but it's MLS and Apple have a ten-year partnership, and yeah, it's, it's not, not going, going anyway. Let's just say that. Whether you like it or not, it's not going anywhere. So that's it for the Whitecap stuff. Some rumors signings off-field stuff it's all happening the season soon it's over a month away but let's talk about a former vancouver whitecap because he penned a letter on twitter this individual is Kay kamara he penned a letter on twitter saying that he's leaving cf montreal yeah he has requested a trade out of the city uh normally i wouldn't wonder about this i mean players leave all the time and especially when you look at kai kamara i mean the guy has played it feels like in almost half of teams in mls but why this one kind of seems strange right now is that when kamara moved to montreal this was supposed to be the final move this was supposed to be not only where he would finish his playing career but he wanted to retire in montreal he is uh, a native french speaker he was looking for a french speaking uh, region to to call home after he was done with the game, and with him now saying that he's leaving and talking about how hard it is, his wife has actually been talking about how hard it is to leave Montreal as well. But what they haven't been saying is how hard it is to leave CF Montreal, and with every other, all the other kind of everything, everyone leaving Montreal. I gotta wonder: is there something going on behind the scenes here? I guess I understand we've got all these Canadian national players that have moved on to bigger and brighter pastures in Europe. You know, they're they're getting their payday after after, uh, the World Cup. But you also lose your head coach. Guy who was coaching Columbus. He goes to Columbus. Like, to me, that's not a, a progressive move. It's lateral at best. And now you're losing your leadership on the pitch. I mean... It does make me wonder what is happening at Montreal that you're losing people that it didn't seem like you had to. Yeah, Montreal were one of the best teams in MLS last season. Alistair Johnson's gone. Their head coach has gone to to Columbus. It's like it was a Montreal fire sale in some way this offseason. And now Kay Kamara has requested a trade. Yeah, it really makes you wonder if there's something going on behind the scenes maybe he wasn't happy with the the old head coach um what was his name um what's his name well for nancy leaving maybe he wasn't happy with that so many of his teammates were leaving maybe there's some animosity with the uh, new coach um sandro um no what's his name Sandro Grande, but that's a whole yeah. other story on, onto itself because no uh, Herman Lozada. Yeah, because Sandro Grande had his coat. He he was basically he was terminated after only one day on the job. Huh. And so the reason really... he was terminated was because of some uh, some comments that he had made a while back, and I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I think Grande was the is the supposed to be the assistant to Lozada. Yeah. No, uh, he had made some comments about uh, it was an, an attempt on the Quebec Premier uh, Pauline Marois, uh, 
of the Parti Quebecois in uh, in Quebec, uh, and he made some sort of joke about the assassination. Well, oh, it angered a lot of people, or sorry, attempted assassination, I should say. It angered a lot of people in Montreal that this coach got hired after making those remarks. And, so they uh, yeah, him. Montreal let him go. He was on the job for one day. One like, day. It, it was so big that the government of Quebec denounced the hiring. <laughs> wow. And it, for, back to Kamara, like, the fans have right to be hurt. He's not just a leader on the pitch, but off the pitch, too. Yeah. So my guess is that he wasn't happy with all the exits, and I don't think he was happy with Lozada. I mean, if you're a Toronto SC fan, you're loving this, but I mean, oh, this yeah. really I mean, sucks. This was just for... uh, kind of feeding, uh, feeding that rivalry. But yeah, again, a strange thing. I want to know what's going on in Montreal. But uh, yeah, if anyone has an idea of what's going on in Montreal, hit us yeah, up. let us know because it's a fi- it's been a fire sale. New coach. Kamara wants to leave, and season hasn't started, and Montreal's kind of, like, showing some dysfunction, and someone said that it's the worst offseason in CF Montreal history. Yeah, that yeah, pretty much that. sums that, that up. And Montreal's got to figure things out quickly, because season's starting up in over a month, and next year could potentially be a tough one. Moving on, though, to a little bit better news about a Canadian player. The International Federation of Football History and Statistics has named Alfonso Davies to their men's world team of the year. So he is on the world's uh, starting 11. And we've got, uh, you know, this is along uh, people like uh, Virgil van Dijk, uh, Jasko Gvardiol, Kareem Benzema, Kylian Mbappe. I mean, we're talking about the best of the best. And alongside them is Alfonso Davies. Yep, there he is at left back. He's alongside Virgil van Dijk, Josco Gavardiol, and Akrohimi. At win with Thibaut Courtois on goal. On other names on there, Erling Holland, Kevin De Bruyne, Luka Modric, and some Lionel Messi. Yeah, Lionel Messi, which I mean, I think... So the company to be in, and good for Dave shows that... Yeah. Good to see Davies on this. It shows he's one of the best players in the world. Look how far he's come. And Luka Modric at 37 years old is still making this li- these lists, which is great and amazing. But Davies is one of the best in the world, one of the, probably the best left back in the world, and he's Canadian, so yeah. should make you really happy. Now, I don't know if Van Dyke deserved uh, to be on there though. Sorry, don't know if Van Dyke deserved to be on there though because he's had a had some shaky moments this year. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a lackluster season, and especially for this. Uh, I guess if you're looking at calendar year for the last half of the year, um, but overall, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's, Liverpool is a whole other story going on right now. It seems like uh, Fenway Sports might be purposely uh, letting that team just slide while they're trying to sell it. Yeah, and you know who else is on a slide right now? Chelsea and the pain yeah. continues and the season from hell continues because this might be the worst Chelsea season since 2015-16 and this might be even worse than that because this is terrible the football's bad everything sucks two losses to Manchester City which is no surprise but the first surprise though was a one nothing loss in the Premier League well that's not really the surprise but they played well in that game 
Erling Holland didn't score. I guess it's which is a moral victory. <laughs> but the team played well and they showed a lot of fight. But in the FA Cup, Man City played their B team. And they Chelsea, who were playing mostly first team players, lost four nothing. And they didn't get a single shot. Not shot on that shot until like the 89th minute or something like that. And there were times where Man City were just sitting back in the second half. They couldn't do anything. Like, uh, like, that's how bad that game was. I was going to ask who, you, Josh, does it scare you that Chelsea on 25 points is the exact same distance away from the top four in Champions League football as they are to the relegation spots? It scares me. Like, I, I mean, there are worse teams down in the relegation zone. Uh, Everton, uh, Wolves. Bournemouth. Everton's going down this year. I said it last year. They saved themselves in the last day. They're going down this year. Yep, but Chelsea are playing like a team on the verge of being relegated. Yeah. Mount Mason Mount and Kai Havertz were very bad in that game. I have no idea what happened to Mason Mount since April. Like the guy's a shadow of his former self, and I'm like he's shown flashes that where he can return, but we're missing that creativity. We're missing those long passes. Like, instead, this guy's turning the ball over. He's losing the ball. He's not creating anything. He's not scoring goals. Like, what happened? Like, I, I, you know how much I love Mason Mount. Yeah. And there are certain people on Chelsea Twitter who love him, too. But refuse to acknowledge that he's been bad. You, I said before, you can love the player, but acknowledge that he's been bad. Yeah, and there's one thing that always uh, kind of bothers me about fans is the the ones that are not willing to look at their team objectively, you know? Yeah, and then there are other people on Chelsea Twitter who have an agenda against Mason Mouth. Even when he was good, they still slander him. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't get it. And, like, everyone on Chelsea Twitter wants to be the wise guy or who people who are right. And it, it, it's exhausting. Like, there are people who are still defending Kai Havertz. Like, he's done nothing wrong. Well, but he scored the Champions League winning goal. Yeah, but he's living off that. And he's disappearing way too much. And, and like, the... the pen, He was the one who gave away the penalty to Man City. Like, who in the world puts their arms up in front of the ball during a corner kick? You're not playing basketball here. You're not playing volleyball. This is football. Why are you raising your arms like that? But I, I, like Kai Havertz is, like, what is he even like? What did he even do? He's not creating anything. He's not scoring. He's not helping on the build up. He's not even helping defending. Like he's just floating. I mean, there are people on Chelsea Twitter saying maybe we should move on from this guy. You know what? Maybe, maybe loan him out at the end of the season because he's been a huge disappointment in his Chelsea career other than the Champions League winning goal which he lives off of and but the effort against Manchester City was so like so bad but Dennis Zachariah and some of the other youth players did impress so that's a positive I don't know, like when the youth are impressing more than the the first team that's just uh goes to show how bad the team is David Detro Fafana, 
a guy who, by the way, was on Caleb Wilkins' Whitecaps Sensible Strikers list. He made his Chelsea debut. Looked fine. Same with Omari Hutchinson and Carney Shuameka. I still can't pronounce his name. But they wanted to make the, the make it a game more than Connor Gallagher, Jorginho, and Mason Mountain Kai Havertz. And even Lewis Hall looked good at left back. Because there's no Chilwa and no Kukurea. Maybe Chelsea and, finally becomes a team that plays their youth. I mean, yeah, this is like 1920 again. Frank Lampard's first season. Except with more youth. Yeah. And Connor Gallagher's been a massive disappointment. Like, maybe, maybe loaning him on a, for another year sh- should have been the... It should have been... What should have happened. Because he's not really doing a whole lot. Again, just floating. Jorginho, I don't know what he was doing the entire game. Just running around like a lost chicken. Like, he's supposed to be the regista that makes those long passes. Key passes. Hasn't happened. You know, ever since he um, finished top three in the Ballon d'Or, he fell off. That's no coincidence, right? Yeah, I mean, sometimes that happens. It's unfortunate with players. They kind of reach... I mean, for, for Tottenham, it was the Deli Alley, right? Right. Uh, I just hope... At least Jorginho has had a career to look back on. That's true. Other than uh, becoming a meme with a celebration. <laughs> but, hey, maybe Jorginho can leave Chelsea on a free sign for the Whitecaps in the offseason for midfield death. Not happening, but it's fun to dream. But, again, same old stuff. Players are playing like they don't care. Graham Potter looks out of his depth like there's no system. The tactics are all weird. The substitutions are all weird. He's saying stuff like, oh, we gave a good effort. The boys played well against the top side. And I I, I get Graham Potter. He seems like the type of guy who doesn't like to show his anger in public. He wants to take it out on the players when the doors are closed. Which is fine. Because he wants to respect the media. No matter how dumb the questions are. He even said so himself. Like he almost took it out on the water bottle. But again, I'm giving Graham Potter time. Because this isn't his squad. He needs two transfer windows. And... I... Don't I, again? I don't know if he is the right guy going forward, but they're sticking with him no matter what because he's on a five-year contract. And if the, if the players, like they're eighty percent of them, like need to go, like uh, this team again needs to rebuild. Ever since two thousand seventeen, we're never serious about challenging for the Premier League title. Sure, we won the Champions League and other trophies, but watching this team week in and week out just put on these pathetic performances. It's bad. Like, how, how could anyone put up with this? I, I guess this is what it feels like to be a Manchester United fan this past decade. Or a Arsenal fan since, like, 2016. Though Arsenal have figured it out. So, I don't know what I can say that hasn't been said. Because the, there's a poor mentality at this club. The club is rotten. From top to bottom. No one is blameless in this situation here. Graham Potter. Is not. Should not be the fall guy here. The players. 
should take the majority of the fall. And it's not like Graham Potter should get off scot-free scot either. He's part of the problem, but he is not the problem. And people are saying, oh, we want Tuchel back. Remember Chelsea were struggling at the end of last season and the beginning of the season under Tuchel? And if Tuchel or even Sir Alex Ferguson in this prime came and managed Chelsea again, well, not again, but managed Chelsea, I think the squad would still be the same because the the weak bottle job mentality is still there. The players are not good enough to play for for Chelsea, and it's just I see a lot of sloppiness and laziness, and I see a team that doesn't really feel like improving. You out have a there. team that's not playing for the manager. And the thing is, is that this manager hasn't had a transfer window yet. Yeah, exactly. he's in one right now. He needs to do some change. But do you think that if any decision comes on Potter, it's got to be probably partway through next season? Because yes. then he would have had a January and a summer, yes. right? If, if this continues until next season and Potter got all the players he wanted, then he can go. Yeah. You've you got to think that with a five-year contract, there's got to be some sort of buyout clause. No one there has to be. five years in football without a way out. There has to be. You know? Uh, because, again, those details were never really mentioned. Yeah. But... The only I, thing that makes me wonder about that is Todd Bowley. He's, he's come out and said he wants these long contracts. You know, he wants it to be like an American sports... But there's got to be some sort of mechanism in place. I, I can't see Bully being that stupid of a businessman, right? Right. And he's smarter than many people think, actually. Yeah. And the guy... It's not like the guy bought Chelsea just as, as a offshore project. Or, and he's not like he's sitting in L.A. just chilling at his mansion. Well, he did go back for the Golden Globes because he's part of the entertainment industry. Yeah. But... The guy wants to build a winner here, and I trust the guy, and I trust Graham Potter, but the players need to, I mean, they need to prove that they want to turn this team into a winner by bringing in the right players and selling the players that don't want to be here. And, oh, by the way, uh, this just came out, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who's been a disappointment and has been terrible, he apparently wants to go back to Barcelona, and to me, he felt like a panic buy because no one else was available and i feel like he was on your team (laughs) yeah and he can't play for any other club other than barcelona and chelsea due to fifa rules 100 percent confirmed barcelona want to bring him back but on different salary terms only if memphis Depay leaves if atletico madrid wants him yeah so i think barcelona could have him for free because he's been useless like a lot of other players this season so, panic buying doesn't really do a whole lot. So, is this also a lot to, or not a lot, but some of it to do with Todd Bowley just not understanding how football works in terms of being a business? Like, it just seems like he, he's approached this from a very North American mentality. Yeah. Still got a lot to learn. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a learning curve for him. And, I mean, that's not a bad thing if he's willing to do it. But I I feel like this pain from Chelsea, it, it a lot of it is self-inflicted, but to me it's not a surprise. No. 
I, maybe it's a surprise to the extent of how bad it is. Yeah, I yeah, but I would say... Been something building for a while, even before Bully came in. Yeah, I mean, even before, when Abramovich's final year, the team was a never an elite team starting from 2017-18. Right. And they won the league, in, you know, a big reason why they won the league in 16-17 was because there was no European football. Yeah. That year. And this, the team needs to prove that they are serious and are one of the best teams in the world because this is not Chelsea. This is not the Chelsea I grew up with. This is not the Chelsea you grew up with. Or, or if you're a Chelsea fan or a rival fan, this is not the Chelsea you think of. No, Chelsea because is supposed this... to be... Uh, like, Stamford Bridge is supposed to be a place that you kind of fear to go. It's, yeah. I mean, there's still the history of the place there, but when you go there, you feel you got a shot. Today, Stamford Bridge is... You can, anyone can take points. Yeah. Back in the day, Stamford Bridge was a fortress. Yeah, absolutely. So, Chelsea did make a signing today, official. And this is kind of surprising, because I didn't think he'd go to Chelsea, but Joe Felix, yes, that Joe Felix, has joined Chelsea on a loan until the end of the season from Atletico Madrid and has signed a contract extension with Atletico Madrid, and it's an 11 million euro loan. It's kind of an expensive loan. That is an expensive loan, and there's no buy option. Right. I mean, it, it goes to show how desperate Chelsea are to have so, to get some European football next year. Most Chelsea fans, myself included, are like, aren't really excited because it's a loan. Sure, it's Joe Felix, and he hasn't really lived up to that hundred and five million euro whatever transfer from Benfica. Yeah, I mean, he so was he's the shown... most expensive player when he was signed uh, like... with that loan. The thing is, is you also got to think, if he's coming in for that short period of time, that's also the exact length of time that usually takes players to acclimate to a new environment. So right. he's going to finally hit the ground running and then be like, later guys. And he signed a contract extension with Atletico Madrid. Yeah. It goes to show that they're just loaning him out so he can get his form back. Pretty much. And they're kind of using you as the farm team. <laughs> yeah, and he is very similar to Kai Havertz. Play multiple positions, shows some flair and creativity, but disappears a lot. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe Kai Havertz gets dropped going forward for Joe Felix, who has actually looks pretty good in blue. But uh, I'm not really too excited. I mean, it's, again, it's just alone. And... Sure. I mean, I'm not really excited for Chelsea games anymore. I mean, the fact that he joined Chelsea instead of Arsenal, who looked like they could win the Premier League this year, is, to me, is very surprising. But goes to show that Chelsea still have that pull. So, and... Maybe he can provide a little offensive spark that Chelsea have been missing. Maybe he can get back to form. And at least get to a Europa Conference League position. And sure, it, it's a signing. C plus, I guess. And it goes to show how Chelsea have fallen when you can't even be excited for any signing anymore. And I don't think he'll play against Fulham this weekend. Maybe the game after. 
So, oh yeah, Grand Potter's still awaiting confirmation. So, it's a boost for the attack, and also Enzo Fernandez is off because the release cost was apparently too high for Chelsea to pay, which sucks. Every pretty much every Chelsea fan still wanted him. I don't know. Maybe they could try again in the off season in the summer, but Benfica were not happy with the way it was handled, and the talks just stalled due to the release clause. And I don't know. This this is the another one that got away. Or Chelsea, and Tom Bowley is no longer the interim sporting director with Christopher Vell at. Christopher Vavell is the technical director, and Paul Wynn Stanley is the director of Global Talents and Transfers. It's painful being a Chelsea fan right now. It is just hard for them to watch. There's so many injuries with James, Chilwell, Kukurea, Pulisic, Mendy. Nothing's gone right this year. The football's terrible, but fortunately we still got six more, five, four more months to go now. Just end the season already. But for Tottenham, life is kind of gotten back to better with a 4 nothing win over Crystal Palace and Harry Kane scored two goals in a milestone appearance. Yeah, you club. know what? It was his 300th appearance for club and uh, it's uh, he's he's starting to hit a few milestones uh, very, very quickly again. Uh, this game against uh, Crystal Palace this is exactly the game that you expect from uh, from Tottenham. It was a slow start it was a slow start. It was zero zero at the half, and I don't know what Conte did in that in that uh, in that break to fight to fire these guys up. But whatever he said worked because they came out absolutely flying in the second half. Uh, I mean, ten minutes into the half, they were already up two goals by uh, both of Kane's goals. Uh, Matt Doherty got another one, and it was kind of funny because you and I were talking last week, and I was complaining about if you're looking for a right wing back. Put in Matt Doherty over Emerson Royale, at least. You're going to put a guy in where that's his natural position, and he is going to get stuff done. Well, here he goes. He gets a goal, right? Uh, well, there Sunday we go. Lee finally broke his goal uh, his, uh, his goalless streak, and you could just see the relief off him. As soon as he put that ball in the net, the face mask that he's wearing right now, just because of the surgery he had on the, the bone by his eye, he ripped the face mask off and threw it to the ground to cheer he was just he was so passionate that he was finally able to to you know make something work and he's actually talked about how wearing the mask does make it difficult to see but because his family wants him to wear it he's been wearing it uh throughout his recovery and i get that i mean it's it's got to be a tough thing to, to wear on your face but, I mean, other players have done it before. Harry Kane has worn one before. I remember back in uh, the Women's World Cup. Uh, oh, man, it's got to be going back 10, 12 years ago. Christine Sinclair wore one when it was in Germany. So, I mean, yep. best the best have worn it and have been able to produce. So, you know, it's just a matter of time. And he's got to be coming towards the end of it uh, anyway. He had his surgery before the World Cup. So, it's got to be uh, getting to the point where he doesn't need it anymore. But... On top of that... There was also some FA Cup action. Yeah, uh, before we get to the FA Cup, though, I want to talk about uh, just the fact that we're still waiting for a few players to come back from World Cup uh, duty, uh, you know, dealing with a few injuries. But it has given the opportunity for a few other players to kind of come into the lineup and to prove uh, whether or not that they can stand. And one of them is uh, Brian Hill. 
Uh, uh, Hill was signed already. It was about a year and a half ago. I mean, you got to remember last year he went on, on loan back to Spain where he actually did very, very well. But in the last two games, he has shown himself uh, with the ability to, to fit into that attack. He set up a pretty good connection almost instantly with Harry Kane over those last two games, uh, assisted on one of the goals. But he's also a guy, he's everywhere. The amount of, of pitch that he covers in a game, the amount of work he does off the ball to give other players space and to either drag players or away or to almost like as if he's setting a pick to allow other runs to happen. He is setting himself up to be a player that I think Spurs will be able to count on. And I think a lot of people have started to look at him and go like, oh, this is the guy that we signed. This is the one that that can actually do stuff for him. And I think that his ability in these past couple of games is leading directly to the potential exit of Lucas Mora. Mora has an option on his contract at the end of the year for for another, uh, or at the end of this year for another year it's being reported that that option will not be exercised and that Lucas Mora will likely be released on a free in the summer. Again, another guy that he has done decently for, uh, for uh, Tottenham. I think everyone will remember back uh, during their champions league run for the, the hat trick that he had in the semifinals that got them uh, into the final. But then people will also remember the fact that he also didn't get to play in that final because Harry Kane came back from injury and uh, Potichano decided to go with the big name instead of the guy who got you there, which was unfortunate. Um, yeah. Cult hero, basically. Sorry? Kind of like a cult. Basically, you're Fernando Torres, a cult yeah, hero. Yeah, you know what? He has a little bit of that kind of cult hero. It, it, it does kind of seem a little bit tough or uh, disingenuous that he's kind of fading quietly into the night, but... I do understand why you would not exercise that option. There are other players waiting in the wings. You have Brian Hill. You have uh, uh, Dejan Kuliszewski, who's going to be coming back from injury right away. So there are those uh, players waiting in the wings that, unfortunately, uh, the players like Lucas Mora, they just can't get into the lineup anymore. And if he is able to continue his career somewhere else, it it is better for the player to allow him to do so. I think it's better for the player and the club to move on. Yeah, I do too. So uh, like he's not getting any playing time, and he's kind of falling off the radar. So I mean, he needs a fresh start. Maybe a handful, maybe a handful of uh, opportunities this year. None of them starts. So I I'm okay with that. And you are right. Uh, FA Cup action. Spurs beat Portsmouth one nothing. Harry Kane goal again. This puts him only one goal behind club legend Jimmy Greaves for most goals ever in a Tottenham shirt. Kane right now is at 265. And the thing is, is the next game is the North London Derby. Can you imagine, imagine scores two or beats Jimmy Greaves' record in a North London Derby? All right, time to place your bets on Kane scoring a brace. Oh, I would love it. I would love it so, so, so much if he could, especially because it's Arsenal. Arsenal have won all six of their London Derbies so far this season. Uh, and in uh, their away games, in the three away games, they've kept, they've kept clean sheets. Yep. So, and I, it's good. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. It's good to play spoiler a bit, you know. So you know what? I'm going to say that Arsenal will not get their clean sheet. Harry Kane will get a goal. He will tie the record. 
Okay. I don't know if he will pass it. Okay. I think you I I, I kind of have to agree with you. Yeah. I I, I think he'll just score one. Harry Kane is a big is a big game player. Like yes, I know we can go back to the World Cup and the fact that he missed that penalty, but you got to remember that he also scored the other penalty earlier in that game. So, you know. And you also got to remember that this is Harry Kane. It's Harry One of the best records in the world. Goals. I mean, it was kind of funny. I can't remember what commentator was talking about it, but it, after the Crystal Palace game, he basically said, "The uh, Spurs will make top four, but they're going to make it because Harry Kane drags them up there." Yeah, goes to show how good he is, how much right. his impact and is for a ton. Feel like it is possible. Like right now, they're only they're in fifth, but they're only two points out of that top spot. They, it, it is going to be dependent on like, what is Man, Man United going to do with their game in hand, but they are tied with Crystal Palace. That, that kind of third to fifth is very, very close. And I, I kind of feel that Tottenham will get one of those four spots. Yeah, I that's... Think that they're going to do enough to catch the, the Arsenals and the Man Cities. Unfortunately, I hate it. it. It pains me to say, but Arsenal does seem to be writing a very, very good season for themselves. They're, they've got a very good story. Uh, the fact that they've stayed with Arteta and they've suffered through the growing pains has served them well. They're doing really, really well, and I think they should be taking everything for it. But, yeah, Harry Kane will drag them up to the top four. Oh, I don't know if they'll make it, but Harry Kane will drag them until the very end. Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, other than that, uh, we talked uh, last week about uh, Dejan Kulishevsky. Uh, now that he's with Spurs, he just won Swedish Footballer of the Year. And now this week, uh, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg did the same thing with Denmark. He is the Danish Footballer of the Year. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Tottenham, at least uh, they're winning Scandinavia. So there's that. We just How's that? It's something. We need we need a player from Finland and Norway. Uh, Norway, I don't and know. And they complete this week. Is pretty good, right? Yeah. <coughs> maybe maybe his brother. Yeah, exactly. Right. We'll see what he has. Uh, the other uh, the other Norwegian player uh, that I know is really good. Unfortunately, is with Arsenal, so that's never happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other than that, there hasn't been a lot of movement in terms of players this transfer window yet. But there has been talk. Uh, the, the big name coming out right now is Sporting CP in uh, in Portugal, and they're right back, right wing back in Pedro Poro. Yeah, Chelsea has been linked to him too. Chelsea's been linked to him too. The one thing is, is and has, yeah, uh, Chelsea Felix has some history with him. Yeah, the one thing is, is Tottenham already has an agreement in principle with the player. It's just a matter of meeting the release clause, which is rumored to be around 36, 37 million pounds. Now, what Tottenham had offered isn't that far below that. I don't understand why they don't just pay the extra. I think they're only about like four or five million off. Just pay it, right? Just pay it. Right, just pay the damn. Get in your right wing back that you want um, or start playing the right wing backs that you have, like uh, Jed Spence. I don't know what's going to happen. There is rumors that Jed Spence might be going out and loan. There's a... numerous Premier League teams that are interested and there's also uh, teams in Germany interested. Bayer Leverkusen I know is uh, one that's talked uh, about bringing him in on loan. Let's see if that happens. Um, speaking of Bayer Leverkusen, uh, their center back, Piero Hin... I'm going to mispronounce this name. Hinkapi? Hinkapi? Uh, it's not Hinkapi for all I know. Yeah, but uh, there is talk about a potential summer move over him as well. 
So it's going to be interesting to see if they can get that over the line. Again, another tall guy uh, to go uh, on the back line. He's not like the Pau Torres. He's not the Zasko Gvardiels that I'm hoping for, or especially the guy I really want uh, in Bastoni. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give him a, a chance. He is a guy that has been talked about as being elite in his position. So he might be a cheaper option. And if that's the way they go, at, at least I'm happy they're still looking. Um, the other one that it seems that over the past two days that uh, Tottenham is really, really pushing on right now is uh, from Brighton in uh, Leandro Trossard. Trossard. Also someone Chelsea's been interested in. Yeah, but the interesting thing about Trossard is I don't know why Brighton has let this happen, but he only has six months left on his current contract. Yeah, like why aren't they extending him? He's been pretty good for them. He's turned it down. He mm, maybe down. he wants bigger and better things. I don't know why they weren't doing this a year ago, though, right? So, Trossard is is going to be moving. Where he moves to, I don't know. Tottenham is pushing to try and get him this January rather than in the summer. It might take about £10 million to do it, which, you know, it, it kind of sucks uh, paying £10 million for a player that you can get for free in, in six months. But I think Tottenham might be willing to do it so that teams like Chelsea don't have that opportunity in the summer. Yeah, or you can do a pre-contract. Yeah, I know? I know. They could get him on a Bosman, but I think they want him right now. That's the thing. I think they want to... Okay, actually, that makes sense then. They want to slot him into the lineup, But right? I don't think Chelsea... Like, Jassard is the main priority from Brighton. It's Moises Caicedo. Yeah, fair enough, right? I know right. Uh, it's uh, Tottenham. They're still looking for help uh, to go up front. They're, I mean, they're, Tottenham has a, a good midfield. Let's put it that way. They have got a good midfield. They need to look at possibly a secondary striker. They need to look at defense still a little bit. And yep. they need to look at a goalkeeper. Because Hugo Lloris... He has just retired from international football, so France is going to be looking for a new captain. Let's put it that way. But he is at that point in his career where he is kind of the elder statesman. I mean, he is the one of the longest-serving Spurs players there are. He's been their captain. Club, I want to say 10, 12 years. Feels and like he's been he, there forever. Yeah, it, forever, right? And he is also the captain of the club. The one name that is now really being talked about is actually from Brentford in David Rea. Uh, you know what? I, I know they've talked about Jordan Pickford as well. They've looked at a few names. But David Rea is the name that kind of seems to be rising to, to, to the top right now. I don't expect anything to be happening in January. This is something I expect uh, will wait till the summer, and I have a feeling that we're going to get every week a brand new name attached. But uh, yeah, David Rea, that's the name uh, being talked about right now. And what's this? I'm reading about a potential Tottenham takeover from Nasser Al Khalifi of Qatari Sports Investment, allegedly meeting with Daniel Levy. Yeah, so this is kind of like out of uh, complete left field. It's uh, it's it's. This is the silly news, right? Tottenham yeah. is denying everything. They're saying the club is not for sale. Nothing is happening. But there was apparently a meeting with uh, Daniel Levy, who or Levy, uh, who is the chairman of Tottenham, that a QSI could be looking for a potential up to a third stake of the club. Now they can't really go anything more because uh, QSI owns PSG. Right. Right. And uh, ownership, you're not allowed to own multiple clubs that are competing in Europe. 
the That's only true. team I know in recent time that has been allowed to do that was Red Bull because they had uh, Leipzig. The Red Bull. Le- and then Salzburg. They had Salzburg. But they had to get a special uh, dispensation to allow that to happen. Having a team like QSI buy Tottenham outright will never happen. But if they buy a stake, I don't know. It just, but it seems a bit of a strange one. I don't know. I doubt Spurs ownership is willing to sell. Yeah, I can't see it happening, ENIC. Uh, the one thing is, is, is I think this is only the first talk from QSI. I think more talks will be held. And I think that they're going to be looking also at other teams in the Premier League. They want something in the Premier League. Tottenham just happens to be first on the list. I, I would be very surprised if this happens. And if it does, it's Daniel Levy. He is going to be asking for billions uh, and billions, right? I mean, yeah, he's, this, a hard, he's a he's hard, a hard man. man to negotiate with. Right. And I don't think this will be any different. Uh, but yeah, this was kind of news out of out of nowhere. So no, out of left field. Take it, like, take it for what you what you what you will. Just take right? it with a grain of salt. Absolutely. Other than that, oh. uh, when it comes to Tottenham news, we have to talk about Gareth Bale. Yes, Gareth a Bale. legend of the game has retired at only thirty-three. Yeah, from club and country and country. Gareth Bale, Tottenham player, Southampton was where he started. Of course, Welsh international, Welsh legend, made a name for himself. Guy being the best British player. Like this is a tough debate because you're not talking about just England; you're talking about like Wales and Scotland, Northern Ireland too. Yeah, he's up there. Best, best Welsh player. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Best British. He's up there, but I don't know. It's, it's, I think you have to put him in the conversation. He is that. in the conversation. Right? Right. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of a big one. Uh, only 33 years old. You you got to think that he probably had more in the tank. I just yeah. don't know if he had more in his heart. I think I th- getting Wales to the World Cup after I think he f- years since the 50s, I think that was that was the end of it for him. I think he felt like that. He did his part, and it's time to move on. What else? Could and he's won. What else? He's won the Champions League five times. He's won the Spanish league title multiple times. One of Real Madrid's all-time leading scorers, despite how much they, their fans hate him. Yeah. And a Tottenham Hotspur legend. His final goal ever for club would have been with LAFC. LAFC, the game time goal. Yeah, help them uh, get to the MLS Cup. So. In what was the best MLS Cup final of all time? And uh, you know what? Probably, in all likelihood, coming to a golf course near you. Yeah, I think uh, we can see Bale on the PGA Tour in the near future, but love him or hate him, he is one of the best ever to play the game. He scored many goals. He was clutch. I love love the excitement that he brought. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if your heart's not in it, your heart's not in it. And you've got to make that At one time... At one time, the world's most expensive footballer. At one time, that's true. Yeah, broke that hundred and, million mark. Yeah, scored. Never, never forget that bicycle kick against Liverpool in the Champions League final in 2018. 
like so I'll many great goals. That, uh, the game against uh, what was it? Uh, I think it was uh, Inter Milan when he blew by and got his uh, got yeah. trick in the, in the Champions League. Oh uh, yeah. The, the, Monster goal he had in the Copa del Rey, where he basically uh, became Usain Bolt with the soccer ball. Uh, I mean, yeah. there's, there's numerous, numerous goals uh, to think of when it came. Also, I'll never forget the fact uh, his uh, his own goal uh, with Tottenham when uh, Kyle Walker tried to clear the ball off the line, hit the ball directly into Gareth Bale's face, and put it into his own net. Yeah, he's had those <laughs> so, moments too, but he's still one of the best to play the game, one of the greatest goal scorers. One of the best forwards to play the game. Welsh's Welsh's goat. And sad to see him go, but it's going to be weird to see him not play football anymore. But on a golf course, I guess that's what he wants to do now. Yeah, he'll be he'll he'll find a home there. Other right. than that, I guess we only got one more thing to talk about. And it's uh, another silly story from the French uh, Football Federation. So, I guess now X. French FA president Noel Legrat has um, been under fire. I mean, for disrespecting Zinedine Zidane by saying, "Oh, I don't care where he goes. I've never spoken to him. I just don't care where he goes." And of course, that drew a lot of ire from the French fans, but some of the players too. Kylian Mbappe called him out on social media, saying, "Zinedine Zidane is a legend." Show him some respect. Damn right. Zedanine Zidane is, in my opinion, the greatest midfielder of all time. He is a French, probably France's best player of all time. Well, that is until Kylian Mbappe will surpass him. <laughs> but there's been calls for Legret to resign. And he has also been accused of improper conduct by a female agent named Sonia Saud. And now he has been forced to, to resign. Because of that and his well, comments. His resignation, I think we should uh, punctuate that. His resignation is only until the end of the investigation. So he's right. still planning a comeback. And he's, he's been, he's only been there since 2011, but he's feel like he's been there forever because he's 81 years old. And yeah. I, I, he even said that he wouldn't even take Zidane's call if Deschamps <laughs> it's, it's leaves. Just, Stupid thing to say, but uh, I mean, for me, the, the the comments that he said about Zidane uh, pale in comparison to you know allegations of sexual abuse. Right, and I wouldn't be surprised if this guy covered up. Apparently, this guy has covered up sexual abuse. The rumor is. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah, uh, I'm happy that an investigation is happening, but yeah. again, another member of the old boys club that should have retired a while ago. Because the guy's 81. It's kind of crazy. And he looks like he could drop dead any minute. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. He just retired a while ago. He's a nutcase saying those comments about Zidane and, of course, the serious allegations. And he's only forced to resign because of the investigation. And he should just, he should just resign forever. Retire. So, yeah, that concludes this week's episode. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Um, more Whitecaps coverage on the way as we get closer to the season. Follow me on Twitter at JoshRay91. Nathan is at Endurk. Podcast is at Terminal City FC. Just show us some love. Constructive criticism is always welcome. Your feedback is always welcome. And we'll catch you again next week.
And Peace before out. we go, Josh, I just wanted to mention a gist was posted by Vancouver. Ranko Veselinovic has been called up to the Serbian men's national team for an upcoming friendly against the United States. And I believe that might be his first call up to the main team. And hopefully the first call up of many because yes. he deserves it. I think he was called up one other time, uh, maybe a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, he just got called up again. So all the best of uh, Veselinovic. All the best and congrats to him. And the, the Whitecaps are in Maribella. Well, I believe they're on their way there. But it's Whitecaps season. It's starting. It's coming around. And hopefully we'll have more signings to talk about. Absolutely. So that concludes this week's episode. Peace out. Take care.